ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد So last week we began with the introduction to this book, Lum'atul I'tiqad, this book by Ibn Qudama al-Maqdisi, rahimahullahu ta'ala. And we mentioned a the introduction, an introduction to it. So now we move into the actual book, the beginning of this actual book, Lum'atul I'tiqad. That title, by the way, It is loosely translated into English as sufficiency in creed. That which will suffice you in your creed, in your aqeedah, in your belief, meaning having the basics and understanding the principles and foundations of your aqeedah. And that is what the intent of this book is. To go through the various aspects of aqeedah so that you have sufficiency You have some understanding of the basics of these various points of aqidah. So in the beginning then the author says, قال المؤلف رحمه الله الحمد لله المحمود بكل لسان المعبود في كل زمان الذي لا يخلو من علمه مكان ولا يشغله شأن عن شأن جل عن الأشباه والأنداد وتنزه عن الصحابة والأولاد ونفذ حكمه في جميع العباد لا تمثله العقول بالتفكير ولا تتوهمه القلوب بالتصوير ليس كمثله شيء وهو السميع البصير He says الحمد لله All praise is due to Allah. Al-Mahmoodi bi kulli lisan. Allah the one who is praised upon every tongue, meaning upon every language, every tongue, all of His creation, whatever they may be of their ethnicity, of their language, of their tongue, of their place, of their location, then Allah is praised upon all tongues. Al-Ma'boodi fi kulli zaman The one who is worshipped In every time In every era Worshipped throughout In all of the times In all of the eras Al-Shaykh Zayd says Ay ya'buduhu man fi s-samawati Wa man fi l-ardi Fi kulli zaman wa kulli makan The inhabitants of the heavens and the earth, they worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in every time, in every era, and in every place. And that is exactly what Allah has commanded us to do. As Allah mentioned in the Qur'an, يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ عُبُدُوا رَبَّكُمُ الَّذِي خَلَقَكُمْ وَالَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبَلِكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ In the very first command of the Qur'an, Allah mentions, O people, worship your Lord, the one who created you, 
and created those who came before you. So that is the purpose of our existence and the purpose of our creation. So the author mentions here, all praise is due to Allah, the one who is praised upon every tongue, the one who is worshipped in every era, every time, every place. الَّذِي لَا يَخْلُو مِنْ عِلْمِهِ مَكَانَ And there is not a single place, a single location, that is outside of the knowledge of Allah. Rather, Allah's knowledge encompasses every place. هَذِهِ الْجُمْلَةِ شُرُوعٌ فِي ذِكْرِ صِفَاتِ اللَّهِ So here now, straight away in the beginning of this book, the author is going to start mentioning some of the characteristics of Allah, some of the attributes of Allah. So the first thing he mentions here, الَّذِي لَا يَخْلُو مِنْ عِلْمِهِ مَكَانِ The one whom there is not a single place anywhere that is outside of the knowledge of Allah. Not a single place or location. Everything is encompassed by the knowledge of Allah. Allah said in the Qur'an, أَلَمْ تَرَ أَنَّ اللَّهَ يَعْلَمُ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ Do you not know that Allah knows everything in the heavens and in the earth? مَا يَكُونُ مِنْ نَجْوَى ثَلَاثَةٍ إِلَّهُ وَرَابِعُهُمْ وَلَا خَمْسَةٍ إِلَّهُ وَسَادِسُهُمْ There is not those from the three except that Allah is the fourth, or from the five except that Allah is the sixth. Meaning that Allah is aware of every single thing. Allah's knowledge encompasses everything. And there is a... An example, an ayah in the Qur'an which highlights this very clearly. In the ayah where it is mentioned, وَمَا تَسْقُطُ مِنْ وَرَقَةٍ إِلَّا يَعْلَمُهَا Where Allah mentions in that ayah regarding His knowledge and the knowledge of the unseen, that there is not a single leaf that falls off any tree except that Allah is aware of it. Any leaf of any tree in the world, when it falls, Allah knows it has fallen. Which leaf of which tree? Al-Imam Al-Qurtubi mentioned that similarly, Allah knows how long that leaf floats in the air. And Allah knows exactly where it lands. All of this completely encompassed by the knowledge of Allah. So this opening section he says, لَا يَخْلُوا مِنْ عِلْمِهِ مَكَانِ There is not a single place anywhere that is free from the knowledge of Allah. Every place it is encompassed under the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then he says, وَلَا يَشْغَلُهُ شَأْنٌ عَنْ شَأْنٌ And look at these points one by one. First point he said, all praise is due to Allah, the one who is praised upon every tongue, every language, every place, whoever the people are. The one who is worshipped in every era, in every time. The one whose knowledge encompasses every place, every location. And now he says, وَلَا يَشْغَلُهُ شَأْنٌ عَنْ شَأْنٌ 
that there is nothing which can preoccupy Allah from something else. There is nothing which preoccupies Allah from anything else. Meaning Allah's knowledge is completely comprehensive. It is not like our weakness as humans. When we are busy with something, we become negligent of something else. Here he mentions nothing preoccupies Allah from anything else. أي لا يشغله سماع هذا عن هذا في سماواته وأرضه That if Allah hears a particular person, that does not mean that he is therefore not hearing somebody else. Us as humans have that deficiency and weakness. That if we listen to one person, we are negligent of what somebody else is saying. Yet he highlights here from the greatness and the might and the majesty of Allah, nothing preoccupies him. Allah has knowledge of exactly what He is saying, and He is saying, and He is saying, and what is here, and what is there. Everything, nothing preoccupies Allah from having knowledge of anything else. So the knowledge of Allah is completely comprehensive. As Sheikh Zaid goes on to say, بَلْ يَسْمَعُ دُعَاءَ الْجَمِيعَ Allah hears the dua of every single one. And there is a hadith where it mentions, لَوْ أَنَّ أَوَّلَكُمْ وَآخِرَكُمْ وَإِنْسَكُمْ وَجِنَّكُمْ قَامُوا عَلَى صَعِيدٍ وَاحِدٍ If every single one of you, the jinn and the humans from beginning to end, was stood upon one plane of land, فَسَأَلَ كُلُّ وَاحِدٍ عَنْ مَسْأَلَتِهِ And every single person asked Allah, made dua for their individual dua, and if Allah gave every single one, every jinn, every human, from the beginning to the end, all of them, if Allah answered the dua of every single one, مَا نَقَصَ ذَلِكَ مِمَّا عِنْدِي شَيْءٍ Allah says, that would not decrease my kingdom in any way. So Allah hears the dua of every person. And Allah answers the dua of the people. So there is nothing which preoccupies Allah from one affair to another. بَلْ يَسْمَعُ دُعَاءَ الْجَمِيعَ So Allah hears the dua of everyone. وَيَعْرِفُ حَاجَاتِهِمْ And he knows the needs of everyone. وَيُجِيبُ مَنْ يُجِيبُ And Allah answers the dua of the ones that he answers. وَيَقْضِي مَا شَاءَ بِفَضْلِهِ وَرَحْمَتِهِ And Allah decrees and gives in accordance to whatever he wishes from his virtue and from his mercy. وَيَمْنَعْ مَنْ شَاءَ بِحِكْمَتِهِ وَعَدْلِهِ And Allah may prevent some people, may not answer their dua, and that is from his wisdom and his justice. That a certain person may not have his dua answered from the wisdom and justice of Allah in holding back the response to the dua of a person. And from the mercy and virtue of Allah in giving the response to the dua of another person. All of this from the great wisdom of Allah. Because indeed every action of Allah, everything Allah does is upon wisdom. فَهُوَ ذُو الْفَضْلِ الْعَظِيمِ So Allah is the one with the great virtue. وَهُوَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمِ And He is the, the mighty, the honorable, the wise. Then he goes on to say the author, Jalla anil ashbahi wal andad. 
that Allah is the mighty and the majestic above any type of partner or equal or any resemblance to Him or any comparison to Him. Allah is the mighty and majestic far above any resemblance or comparison to Him. وَتَنَزَّهَ عَنِ الصَّاحِبَةِ وَالْأَوْلَادِ And Allah is far above, removed from any type of partner or children. So Allah is the one, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٌ Say that He is Allah the one, the mighty, the majestic, far removed from any partners, any comparisons, any resemblances, far removed from having any partner or any sons or children. Just like the Christians, they say that he has a son. Just like some of the Jews, they say he has a son, Uzair. Just like some of the Mushrikeen, they used to say that Allah has daughters. They used to say, the Mushrikeen, that the angels are females. A lie. They used to lie and say that the angels are females and they are the daughters of Allah. A lie upon Allah. And the Christians and the Jews, they claim Allah has sons. All of this Allah is above the mighty and majestic, far removed from any partner, any resemblance, any wife, any children. A. تَنَزَّهَ اللَّهُ وَتَقَدَّسَ عَنْ صِفَاتِ النَّقْسِ وَالْعَيْبَ Allah is high and mighty and majestic, removed from any attributes of deficiency. Allah is free of any attributes of deficiency. وَتَنَزَّهَ عَنْ مُشَابَهَةِ جَمِيعِ مَخْلُوقَاتِهِ لَأَنَّهُ خَالِقُهَا And Allah is the mighty and majestic and far removed from any type of resemblance to His creation. Because He is our Creator and we are the creation. There is no resemblance or comparison between the created things and their Creator. So Allah is our creator and we do not have any comparisons or resemblances or any type of closeness in partners to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah is free of any partners or any equals or any likes. Allah has the absolute perfection. Allah has the absolute perfection. وَذَلِكَ يُثْبِتُ وَحْدَانِيَّتُهُ فَلَا يُعْبَدُ غَيْرُهُ And that affirms the oneness of Allah. All of this affirms to you the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That He is the creator of all of this creation. He does not have any resemblance, he does not have any partners, he does not have any comparisons or equals, does not have any partners, any children. He is the one, the mighty, the majestic, far above and removed from anything in his creation or resemblance or comparison. This all indicates to you the greatness of Allah, the might and majesty of Allah, the oneness of Allah, and that he is the one deserving of worship alone. Qala ta'ala, Allah said, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٌ Say that He is Allah the One. اللَّهُ الصَّمَدْ الصَّمَدْ meaning the one who all of the creation have to return to with our needs. He is الصَّمَدْ The one that we all have to return to with our needs. 
Lam yalid wa lam yulad. Neither did he beget nor was he begotten. Neither did he give birth nor was he given birth to. Walam yakun lahu kufuwan ahad. And he does not have any equal or partner whatsoever. Any resemblance or comparison or equal at all. In another ayah, Allah mentions, وَأَنَّهُ تَعَالَى جَدُّ رَبِّنَا مَتَّخَذَ صَاحِبَةً وَلَا وَلَدًا That Allah is the Most High, His Might and Majesty, our Lord. He did not take any partner or any children. Clear ayah in the Quran, Surah Al-Jinn, ayah number 3. وَقَالَ تَعَالَى فَلَا تَضْرِبُوا لَهُ تَضْرِبُوا لِلَّهِ الْأَمْفَالِ In Surah Al-Nahl 74, Do not make parables and examples to Allah. Do not make parables or examples, resemblances, equals, partners, children to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do not make any resemblances to Allah. وَاللَّهُ غَنِيٌّ عَنِ الْمَخْلُوقَاتِ And Allah is completely free and not in any need of His creation. He is the one, the Almighty, not in any need of His creation. And that's why it is mentioned in the narrations, the worship that you do and the obedience that you do, then it is not. It is not for the benefit of Allah. And that's why in that same hadith it mentions, لَوْ أَنَّ أَوَّلَكُمْ وَآخِرَكُمْ وَإِنْسَكُمْ وَجِنَّكُمْ كَانُوا عَلَىٰ أَتْقَىٰ قَلْبِ رَجْلٍ وَاحِدٍ مَا زَادَ ذَلِكَ مِمَّا عِنْدِي شَيْءٍ أو مِنْ مُلْكِي شَيْءٍ If every single one of you was upon the most righteous way, upon the most righteous heart of one of you, it would not increase my kingdom in any way. Our worship is not for the benefit of Allah, it is for our own benefit. That we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَالْمَخْلُوقَاتِ جَمِيعُهَا فِي حَاجَةٍ إِلَيْهِ And all of the creation, all of them are in need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says in the Qur'an, يَا أَيُّهِ النَّاسِ أَنْتُمُ الْفُقَرَاءِ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَاللَّهُ هُوَ الْغَنِيُّ الْحَمِيدِ Oh people! You are the ones in poverty before your Lord, in need of your Lord. As for Allah, He is free, not in need of anyone. He is the mighty and majestic. You, antumul fuqara Allah in the Quran. You are the ones in poverty and in need of Allah. As for Allah, He is free, free of any need or any requirement from us. And Allah rebuked the Jews in the Quran, when they claimed, لَقَدْ سَمِعَ اللَّهُ قَوْلَ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا Indeed Allah heard the statement of those who said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ فَقِيرٌ وَنَحْنُ أَغْنِيَةٌ Indeed Allah is poor and we are rich. This was their statement. Indeed Allah is poor and we are rich. سَنَكْتُبُ مَا قَالُوا Allah says we will record what they said. So this was a rebuke of them. وَالْمَقْصُودُ أَنَّ عَلَى الْمُسْلِمِ أَنْ يُنَزِّهَ اللَّهِ عَنِ الشَّرِيكِ وَعَنِ الصَّاحِبَةِ وَعَنِ النِّدِّ وَالنَّظِيرِ وَالْمَثِيلِ وَيُثْبِتُ لَهُ تَعَالَى صِفَاتِ الْوَحْدَانِيَّةِ وَجَمِيعَ صِفَاتِ الْكَمَالِ وَالْجَلَالِ The point of all of this is to highlight that a Muslim needs to 
understand and to recognize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is free of any type of deficiency. There is no deficiency or shortcoming to be attributed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And to ensure and to understand that a person does not attribute any type of resemblance or comparison or even try to imagine what Allah looks like as the author is going to tell us now. So he says, وَنَفَذَ حُكْمُهُ فِي جَمِيعِ الْعِبَادِ The command of Allah is applied upon all of us. The command of Allah, it is imperative upon all of us. It is seen through upon all of us. The command of Allah is upon us all. أي أن الله هو الحاكم في جميع مخلوقاته Allah is the ruler upon all of his creation. يَحْكُمُ فِيهِمْ بِمَا يَشَاءُ He rules amongst them with what he wishes. فَهُوَ الَّذِي تَنْفُذُ أَحْكَامُهُ فِي جَمِعِ مَخْلُقَاتِهِ He is the one whose laws and rulings are applied upon all of the creation. بِالْإِحْيَاءِ وَالْإِمَاتَةِ In terms of Allah giving life and death by his ruling and his command. وَالصِّحَّةِ وَالْمَرَضِ Somebody being in good health, somebody being in illness by the command of Allah. Wal-arzaq, the sustenance and the provisions and the wealth a person is given by the command of Allah. Wal-ajal, your time spans how long you live in this earth until death comes to you by the command of Allah. Wa fi kulli min shu'un. And in every affair from your affairs, in everything then it is by the command of Allah. فَحُكْمُهُ نَافِذٌ فِي جَمِيعِ الْخَلْقِ So the command of Allah, it is applied, applicable and implemented in all of creation. لَهُ التَّصَرَّفُ الْمُطْلَقُ وَفْقَ حِكْمَتِهِ Allah is the one who has absolute control. In what occurs and what the rulings are and what is commanded. Absolute control to Allah in accordance to His wisdom. Because everything Allah does is by wisdom. Whether we understand the wisdom behind that thing or not. Everything by Allah is upon wisdom. لِأَنَّهُ هُوَ خَالِقُهُمْ Because He is our Creator. He is our Creator so He does what he does upon us with wisdom. وَالْمُتَصَرِّفُ فِيهِمْ So he is the one who has the control upon us and does as he pleases. pleases. فَلَا رَادَّ لِقَضَائِهِ So there is nobody who can reject, rebuke and shun away the judgment of Allah and the ruling of Allah. وَلَا مُعَقِّبَ لِحُكْمِهِ And there is nobody who can add on or bring about any type of uh, any type of resistance or any type of addition to the rulings of Allah. قَالَ تَعَالَى إِنِ الْحُكْمُ إِلَّا لِلَّهِ Indeed, the ruling is for Allah alone. Then the author goes on to say, لَا تُمَثِّلُهُ الْعُقُولِ بِالتَّفْكِيرِ the minds of the people cannot give any type of resemblance to Allah with their intellects, with their imaginations. 
We cannot try to give any type of description to Allah with our imaginations. And that is as Allah said, لا يحيطون به علما Our intellects, we cannot encompass Allah with our knowledge. We cannot encompass Allah with our knowledge. We cannot give ideas from us about Allah and descriptions about Allah. All we can affirm is what we find in the Qur'an and the Sunnah. Outside of that, we cannot try to imagine ourselves what Allah looks like. And that's why he says next, وَلَا تَتَوَهَّمُهُ الْقُلُوبِ التَّصْوِيرِ Our hearts, in our imaginations, we can never imagine Allah. We can never imagine Allah, what Allah looks like, the details, we can never imagine that. We do not have the capability, the knowledge to be able to do that. And that is because the scholars, they mention a very simple example. They say in order to describe something, there's only three ways you can really describe something. Either because you see it yourself, and obviously none of us have seen Allah, so that's out. Or you get the details from somebody who has seen it. So nobody else has seen Allah to tell us now the details, so that's out. Or you have some reliable source of information describing it. And that we do have. We have the Qur'an and the Sunnah. That reliable information explaining to us the names and attributes of Allah. So the only way we have of knowledge of Allah is what is found in the Qur'an and the Sunnah. Not in our imaginations and our minds thinking about Allah, what does Allah look like? No. That is incorrect. And a person does not have the ability to do that. Because we do not know the details of the names and attributes, the descriptions meaning, the kayf, the howness. How is this description of Allah? How is that description of Allah? We do not have knowledge of the how. So those details are beyond us. We do not have that knowledge. And Allah mentioned, وَمَا أُوتِيتُم مِّنَ الْعِلْمِ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا You have not been given from knowledge except a small amount. So what is obligatory upon us is to describe Allah with what He has described Himself with in the Qur'an and the Sunnah. And to negate from Allah what Allah has negated from Himself. There are certain things Allah negated from Himself. So we must negate those things from Allah. Like, لَا تَأْخُذُهُ سِنَةٌ وَلَا Sleep and slumber, tiredness does not overcome Allah. In Ayatul Kursi. Sleep and slumber does not overcome Allah. So Allah negates these deficiencies from Himself. Sleep and slumber. So we negate that from Allah. We say Allah is not overcome by sleep or slumber. Whatever Allah negated from Himself, we negate from Allah also. And whatever Allah affirmed for Himself in the Quran and the Sunnah, then we also affirm for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then at the end of this section, he mentions a very important principle. And that is the principle to understand the basics of the names and attributes. Because notice now, in this opening section to the book, the author has begun talking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Has begun by mentioning the praise of Allah. Telling us that Allah 
He is the one deserving of all of the praise. All of the praise is for Allah. Alhamdulillah. The one who is praised upon every tongue. Muslims of all different tongues. When we were at the University of Medina, Muslims coming from Venezuela, from Italy, from China, from Japan, from all the countries you can think of. Muslims there studying and learning their religion. He is the one praised upon every tongue. Al-Ma'abudu fi kulli zaman. The one who is worshipped in every time throughout history. In every era, the one who is worshipped. From the beginning, from the time of Adam alayhi salam, the people were initially all upon Tawheed. Adam alayhi salam was created upon Tawheed. As the narration mentions, كَانَ بَيْنَ آدَمَ وَنُوحَ عَلَيْهِمَ السَّلَامَ عَشْرَةَ قُرُونَ كُلُّهُمْ عَلَى التَّوْحِيدِ Between Adam alayhi salam and Nuh alayhi salam, Adam and Noah, there were ten generations of people. All of those ten generations remained upon Tawheed. Just as the Prophet ﷺ said, كُلُّ مَوْلُودٍ يُولَدُ عَلَى الْفِطْرَةِ Every child is born upon the natural disposition, the natural Tawheed. So all of the people from the beginning have been upon Tawheed at some, some from amongst them throughout. Some from amongst them throughout the history have been upon that Tawheed and that worship of Allah. الَّذِي لَا يَخْلُو مِنْ عِلْمِهِ مَكَانِ And there is not a single place that is outside of the knowledge of Allah. Allah's knowledge encompasses every single thing. Every voice He hears, every dua He hears, everything He knows. لَا يَشْغَلُهُ شَأْنٌ عَنْ شَأْنٌ There is no one particular issue that preoccupies Him from other issues, not at all. Allah's knowledge encompasses everything and nothing makes Him preoccupied and therefore become negligent of something else. That is our weakness in creation, not from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is free from any deficiency or shortcoming. Then he goes on to say after that, that Allah is the mighty and majestic and the great, removed from any type of equals or partners or resemblances. And he is far removed from having any partner and any children, any wife or any children. Allah's command, it is upon all of the creation. Allah's command, it is implemented in all of the creation. Our intellects cannot try to describe Allah. No matter how much we think about that. وَلَا تَتَوَهَّمُهُ الْقُلُوبَ بِالتَّسْوِيرِ Neither can our hearts try to imagine Allah, picturing Allah. It cannot happen. Then he gives you the summary of all of that. The basis and the foundation of the names and attributes of Allah. Which is the ayah, لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٍ There is nothing... Like unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٍ This ayah, this ayah, it is the basis and the foundation of Tawheed al-Asma'i wa-Sifat. The ayah, لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٍ وَهُوَ السَّمِيعِ الْبَصِيرِ There is nothing like unto Allah, but He is the all-hearing and the all-seeing.
Because in that ayah there are two parts. There is the part that says there is nothing like unto Allah. Therefore negating any resemblance, any comparison, any partner. But then Allah says, وَهُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْبَصِيرُ He is the all-hearing and the all-seeing. Affirming the attributes of Allah. So when you put that together, it becomes clear that we affirm the attributes of Allah, yet we do not make any comparisons or resemblances in affirming the names and attributes of Allah. Very simple. The people of innovation, they went astray in two main fields when it came to the names and attributes of Allah. Some of them began to say, which was principally correct, they said we have to make sure that there is no comparison or resemblance to Allah. True. Absolutely true. But they took that so far and exaggerated so far, they said the only way we can make absolutely sure we are not comparing Allah to creation in any way, in these names and attributes, is to just say that Allah doesn't have any names or attributes. Let's just not affirm them and then we'll be 100% guaranteed we haven't compared Allah to creation. They said if you affirm them, then you don't know. Maybe you're going to end up affirming them in a way which is actually resemblance and similarity to creation and you don't realize. So they said, let's just say, forget the names and attributes. That way we're guaranteed we're not comparing Allah to creation in any way. In fact, as Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah said when they did that, they fell into the exact thing they were trying to run from. They compared Allah to creation. How? By comparing Allah to nothingness. If they say Allah has no names, Allah has no attributes, then that something which has no names, no attributes is nothing. Something which has no names, no attributes, no nothing is nothing. So by them rejecting all of the names and attributes of Allah, they were in essence saying Allah is nothingness. And that is a comparison to creation. We have nothingness. Nothing is nothing. So by them rebuking or refuting or rejecting the names and attributes, in reality they were comparing Allah to nothingness. The other group, the these were called the Mu'attila. The other group, the Mushabbiha, they went to the other extreme. They said, no, you can't just reject the names and attributes of Allah. You have to affirm them. Again, correct, you have to affirm them. But they went to such a degree... Such a level of exaggeration in affirming the names and attributes of Allah, in accepting them, that they eventually began to just say that Allah's names and attributes, they are just like our names and attributes. They began to compare and resemble Allah to creation. They went to such an extremism in accepting and affirming the names and attributes of Allah, that they began to say Allah's names and attributes must just be like our names and attributes. So they went astray because the ayah said, "Laysa There is nothing like him. So you affirm the names and attributes of Allah, the descriptions of Allah, as we're going to mention some of them, but you don't make comparison to creation. Allah is not similar to creation in any way. The other people who said, but we want to make sure we're not comparing Allah, so the only way we can do that to be sure is just reject them all. That is wrong too because the ayah said, Allah is the all-hearing and the all-seeing. Affirmation of the names and attributes. Hence, Ahlul Sunnah, the path which is correct is, 
that we affirm the names and attributes of Allah, but we do not make any comparisons or resemblances in any way to creation. Rather, Allah is free of any comparisons or resemblances. One final point to mention here, Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah said in Al-Aqidah al-Wasatiyyah, when affirming the names and attributes of Allah, when it comes to the tawheed of the names and attributes, then you have to remember four very important things. Four things which are impermissible for you to fall into. What are those four things? Firstly, التعطيل, rejection of the names and attributes. Do not fall into the way of the people of innovation and start to reject the names and attributes of Allah. Secondly, tahrif, distortion of the meanings of the names and attributes of Allah. Some of the people of innovation, when they wouldn't accept the actual names and attributes of Allah, they distorted the meanings of them to something which they wanted to accept. They changed and altered and distorted the meanings to something acceptable to them. That is haram. Rather, you leave them as they are. Thirdly, takyif. That it is impermissible to try to describe the names and attributes of Allah from our own minds, from our intellects, from our imaginations. And fourthly, tamthil. That it is impermissible to compare or to make resemblances between Allah and the creation. Four things. You cannot reject the names and attributes of Allah. You cannot distort or alter the meanings of the names or attributes of Allah. Leave them as they are in the Qur'an, upon the understanding of the Salaf. You cannot try to give descriptions to the names and attributes of Allah. And fourthly, you cannot try to compare or give resemblances between Allah and the creation. They are the four points that are mentioned. First one, ta'atil. Ta'atil, then tahrif. Then takyif, then tamthil. The fourth one you sometimes see it in the books as tashbih. Tamthil or tashbih. The accurate term to use is tamthil. Because Allah mentioned that term in the Quran, لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٍ So there are the four points that a person must avoid. And that is clear why a person avoids them. Like we said, we have not seen Allah. We do not have any information from somebody who has seen Allah to tell us. So the only way we have to affirm the names and attributes is what is in the Qur'an and the Sunnah. So whatever it says there, we affirm it. And we don't try and describe it or give anything from our own minds on it. One final point the scholars, they mention, regarding the names and the attributes of Allah, those four prohibitions being in place, then basically we say, as Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah said, نَصِفُ اللَّهَ بِمَا وَصَفَ بِهِ نَفْسَهُ we describe Allah with what Allah described Himself with. And we reject from Allah what Allah rejected from Himself. Or what the Messenger described Allah with and the Messenger rejected from Allah. Because there is no comparison to be made at all. Allah is the mighty and majestic above His creation. Even the words, as we'll come to see, there are certain words of the names and attributes of Allah, which are the same words we use. Hand, for example, it is mentioned Allah has hands. We have hands. But does that mean there's any comparison or resemblance? Not at all. And one of the examples that Shaykh Al-Thaymeen gave was, he said words can be the same, but the meanings do not have to be the same. 
Now if we say the word hand or we say the word leg, a leg can have a thousand different meanings. The leg of an ant is completely different to the leg of an elephant. The leg of a giraffe is completely different to the leg of a cat. They are all legs, but they are completely different to one another, no comparisons. So even though the words may be the same, there is no resemblance and there is no comparison between Allah and the creation. And as the author says here, there is no type of way for you to imagine what Allah looks like. There is no way for you to try and picture what Allah looks like. So do not attempt to do that and do not allow your mind to go down that path. So that is what he mentions in the opening section. That's where we'll round it off. And next week we'll begin with the second section here where he goes into some of the details about the names and attributes further. So we'll round it off there. If there's any questions, we can take them now. Insha'Allah ta'ala. Wa sallallahu ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Certain people their dua may not be answered. And that is from, as we said, the wisdom of Allah, from the justice of Allah. What are the reasons why certain people their dua may not be answered? Different reasons. One reason could be that the person himself and his actions and his sins are preventing his du'as from being answered. His own evil that he perpetrates, the own evil that he engages in, his sinning, his disobedience, he does all of that haram, then his du'a may not be answered when he makes a du'a due to all of the sin and the wrong and the haram that he's doing. That could be a reason. Another reason could be, not because of your sin, but Allah keeps that dua that you made, as you could say, reserved. You don't get what you wanted. It is kept reserved. For what? For in the hereafter, you end up getting the reward for it instead, which will be far greater than in this world. So sometimes certain duas that you make may be kept behind and you get the reward and your status is raised up in the hereafter. That could be a reason sometimes. Other times it could be as a test and a trial upon a person to see, can this person remain patient or not? A person is making dua for something, it's not being answered yet. Could be a test and a trial upon the person to see, is this person going to be from the patient ones? He'll remain patient, keep his trust in Allah, dependence in Allah, carry on making dua. Then his status will be raised up even higher from his patience that he shows. So that could be a means of raising you up even more. To make you see if you'll be upon patience and if you are, that raises you. So there are various reasons why a person's dua may not be answered instantly. Could be various reasons of those natures. This is uh, uh, the explanation of the scholars in principle. In principle, that's how it works. This is just the explanation of the scholars. It is not a statement of a particular person. The scholars have explained with regards to the names and attributes with this example. They say, okay, you want to try and explain what the names and attributes of Allah look like. You claim that the names and attributes of Allah are like this or like that. They say, okay, have you seen Allah? How are you telling us that they are looking like this or look like that? Have you seen Allah? Obviously he has to say no. 
They'll say, have you spoken to somebody else who saw Allah and came and told you all these things? Again, he has to say, no. Then they say to him, in that case, you've not seen Allah, you've not spoken to anybody else who has seen Allah and told you, the only source you've got therefore is the same as what all rest of us have got is the Qur'an and the Sunnah. In the Qur'an and the Sunnah, this interpretation of yours is not there. In the Qur'an and the Sunnah, where is this imagination and this description you're giving me? In the Qur'an and the Sunnah, it doesn't say that. And since you don't have anything else to go off, you haven't seen Allah yourself, you haven't spoken to anybody who saw Allah, then how are you giving your own interpretations? Qur'an and the Sunnah simply says X, Y, and Z, that's what we accept. Anything else you want to give, then clearly you are giving it from your own mind then. And that is not acceptable then. Someone asked a question, uh, a brother last week. He asked, what happens to a Muslim who does shirk akbar, a major shirk, and he doesn't realize he's doing it and dies upon that state? Making a ruling upon individuals is not possible, but generally speaking, as a rule, a person who is committing shirk, major shirk, that person is a disbeliever. The ruling as a general ruling. Individual people, then you get into all of the issue about al-udhar bil-jahl. Excusing an individual out of ignorance. And that is a detailed topic with many issues in it. Overall, a person dies upon major shirk, that's it. Kafir. In the hellfire forever. Then more specifically, there can be all of these other issues, but that takes a lot of detail to go into all of the other issues. And some of the scholars do not even accept them. You see, a person dies upon that way, خلاص, that's it. He dies upon kufr, major kufr, shirk, bowing, prostrating to graves, slaughtering for them. He's a kafir. That is the ruling some scholars give straight out. But then some of them may give some more details due to ignorance. A people... A person raised up in a society, in a community, that's all they do and he's never learnt any better. Perhaps there are some reasons of excuse in there. So it's not possible to give a ruling upon a person. Upon a person who's died like that, you can't give a ruling upon a person, but the rules generally are like that. A sister is asking a question from upstairs um, about um, a, a game called Pokemon. Has he got shirk in it? Asking because her son wants to know. I have no idea what the game Pokemon is. <laughs> so I have no idea what the huh? Pokemon Go. So how does it work? What is it? So the objective of the game. How do you win? How do you win? How do you get the points? Okay. Well, I have no idea what the game is, but if if it's like what you've described there, there's a lot of uh, non-Islamic religious types of innuendos in that game, or well, there's other aspects to it which are Islamically against the principles, then okay. Hmm? Is gambling and stuff involved in that? Gambling involved too? If that be the case, then okay, it's not allowed. If those types of things are involved, it's not allowed. But uh, in any case, games of this nature, you you walk with your phone, you're saying, huh? Yeah. You walk around on the street with your phone, you're going to bang into the lampposts and everything. Huh? It happens a lot these days. People get run over by cars and... There you go. You're going to get run over by a car. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It depends what's in the game. If there is haram, like you mentioned, those types of things, then it's haram. It's not permissible to play. 
But I don't know the details of it to see if the shirka was. So we'll leave it there. Next week, inshallah, carry on at approximately the same time, inshallah.